Swag. I like to be everything you want. Uh, hey, girl, let me talk to you. If you this really was your podcast. Who sings that song? Let's keep it that way. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to week eight of the Fantasy Football Podcast season. I'm your host, J.R. Lett, here with my co-host, T.J. Lett, and we're excited to be back. Tommy, how uh, how was your week this past week? My week was fantastic, Jack. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, I am very excited to be recording this podcast this week. Uh, we are actually recording this on a Monday. Wow, first time switching we, things first, up. Yeah, first time we recorded this on a Monday. Uh, reason being is tomorrow is not Halloween, but it is Justin's birthday, which um, we will be celebrating, so we will not have time to record tomorrow night. So we have pushed it to Monday night. The Monday night football game is not even over yet. Actually, it literally just ended as I was talking. So we are officially done with week eight, and I'm very excited to talk about it. We had some pretty exciting matchups. Going into tonight, I believe at least four matchups were undecided. So that's pretty exciting. Nine of the 12 teams in our league had at least one player in action tonight, which is also pretty cool. A lot of nail biters. Yeah, yeah. Some some interesting matchups this week. It actually ended up being a pretty high-scoring week. This is the first week of the year where... Two teams have scored over 16,000. Well, it seems like teams are starting to hit their stride. I guess I should even clarify further. Nobody has scored 16,000 until this week, and it happened twice. Drew puts up 16,200, and Louis puts up 16,800. Uh, two highest scoring weeks of the year. Drew's team is easily the most up-and-down team. He joins you and Scott as one of three managers to have two weeks of 15,000 plus, but at the same time, he's got like four or five weeks under 10,000 points. So he's had a very, very up and down season, but uh, great week from him this week. You want to jump right into the matchups here or how do you want to get this yeah, thing started? Abs- no, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's just get into analyzing the, the matchups. Uh, as Tommy said, we're excited to be back and uh, let's talk fantasy football. Amen, brother friend. I would actually like to start things off as we usually do by talking about the team in first place and their matchup, which again this week is going to be Kyle versus Jack. With the Monday night game officially being over, Jack officially takes down Kyle with a score of 12,722 to 9,968. What sticks out immediately to me is the fact that Kyle did not play a kicker this week. It was his intention to potentially play Brandon McManus for the Monday night game, but you took away that option for Kyle uh, late on Sunday around 9 o'clock. You made the decision to pick up Brandon McManus so that Kyle would have no other options for for his kicker position, effectively giving you the victory for the week. What is your ethical take as the commissioner of this league? I'd like to know your perspective on uh, 
you know, the the prospect of, of a team picking up a player from free agency for the sole purpose of being a detriment to another team. You know, obviously I already had a kicker. Um, I just like to get like to get your perspective on it. I have no problem with it ethically. I told Kyle that I would have made the move sooner if I was you. Um, I actually think you were, I don't know if it was intentional, but I think you were nice to wait as long as you did. I, I can I can understand Kyle thinking that you potentially, well, I guess I don't, I don't blame him for thinking that you wouldn't pick him up, I guess. But at the same time, I, I think a lot of people would have in your position, to be honest. my The only way I would have had an issue with it and where it becomes unethical and collusion would be if somebody else picked up McManus for you so that Kyle wouldn't be able to pick him up. That would be my, like, if that would happen, I wouldn't allow that. But, I mean, you had the opportunity to pick up McManus and seal the victory for yourself, so... I say kudos to you, and I mean, look, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Harrison Butker put up 2,500 points, uh, and if Kyle had played McManus, he would have put up 800 and still lost to you by, well, about 2,000 points. So it didn't matter at all in the end. So, But yeah, I, I had no problem with you making that decision. You know, in terms of getting down to the nitty-gritty of the players, um, you know, uh, a mediocre week from mediocre week from Kyle, and uh, you know, I'd say a a mediocre week from my team. I got some huge performances from my kicker Harrison Butker with twenty five hundred, and my defense, uh, you know, getting over two thousand. Um, and then I had some solid performances from top to bottom with a thousand. I you know, Mark Ingram doing his Mark Ingram stuff with fourteen ninety, uh, and Zach Ertz doing his Zach Ertz things with eleven forty. Both of those guys have just been super solid and reliable all season long. Um, but then you get to my you get to my wide receivers and you know the rest of my lineup, and it just gets it gets a little underwhelming. Pierre Garcon with two seventy has just been you know the biggest disappointment so far for my team and. Doug Baldwin with only 840. Um, you know, I'm just hoping for more. I'm hoping he's a wide receiver one, wide receiver two for me. And then Joe Mixon. Uh, give me your take on Joe Mixon because I can't talk about it anymore. I've been talking about it all season. He's one of those rookies who was supposed to blow up. I had high hopes for him. And he only put up 1040 against a despicable Colts defense that just has been obliterated by most running backs this season. What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon moving forward, and what are your overall th- overall thoughts on you know my team from top to bottom? Yeah, Joe Mixon's still not really getting it done for you. He loses a fumble, which takes away two hundred points for him. Now he puts up ten forty, but he had like a he had one catch for it was somewhere around seventy yards, and outside of that, he did nothing in that game. Uh, Joe Mixon has been, I would say disappointing especially with with especially with the expectations on him coming into the year people thought that he was like the guy to draft for the second half of the season now we as we enter the second half of the season I just don't see anything too promising yet as for your team overall you mentioned Pierre Garcon was a big disappointment he got injured uh, early in the game so you can't really help that. Kirk Cousins, I think, had the most disappointing performance of the week for you. It doesn't end up mattering, as you say, your kicker and defense went off. Kyle has a, a, a subpar week. 
you put up another 12,700 right around your average. So your team looks fine. I, I, I really, I mean, you're up to five and three, you're one of the highest scoring teams. And, uh, so I, I have no worries about your team, uh, right now. Looking at Kyle's team, uh, I wanted to touch on, I mean, what sticks out to me is Will Fuller. He gets another two touchdowns on only five catches. He now has seven touchdowns on 13 catches for the year. People say he can't keep this up, and obviously he won't have, you know, more than half of his catches being touchdowns by the end of the year. But with how good Deshaun Watson has looked, I don't see him really slowing down all that much. I think he and um, I think he and Hopkins are going to both be they could both be top 10 wide receivers moving forward, honestly, with with how great Watson has been and how often he throws to them. I mean, I well, I know we'll get there, you know, with analyzing Watson more later in the show, but you brought it up. I just have to reiterate, Deshaun Watson put up a quarterback performance for the ages on, on Sunday and really solidified the fact that he's not, a joke and he's here this is a real thing uh will fuller is not a real thing in my opinion i mean he cannot maintain the 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 rate that he has but deshaun watson you don't go into seattle and put up almost 40 points as a fluke you know what i mean like it's uh the texans weren't able to come out with a win in that game which is disappointing but your head's got to be held super high as as a quarterback of that team and you know, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins are absolutely, uh, you know, just plug and start guys moving forward because of how talented Deshaun Watson is. Yeah, Deshaun Watson has looked great. We will touch on him when we get to Scott's team more. Kyle gets a goose egg for Marquise Goodwin. He's just at this point just trying to find some guys that he. I mean, he's got Will Fuller. Outside of that, he doesn't have currently a wide receiver that he can depend on. He gets zero from Zach Miller. You could argue that Zach Miller should have had a touchdown. Uh, they took it away. They ruled it not a catch. And on that play, he, he dislocated his knee and uh, like tore one of his arteries, and they almost had to amputate his leg. So, yeah, thoughts thoughts and prayers with him. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, Kyle gets good performances from uh, Melvin Gordon, Jeremy Macklin, and the Saints. But, you know, not playing a kicker and getting two other goose eggs, he didn't really have a whole lot of... Uh, he didn't really have much of a chance uh, this week, and I think he was okay with that sitting at 6-1. and one. He falls at 6-2. He's still in first place. Um, and like we keep saying, if he can just find a wide receiver two, his team's going to be pretty good moving forward, I think. Uh, and certainly he doesn't need wins right now, so uh, he's just got to figure it out come playoff time. Uh, I did want to mention that you are um, you're all the way up in second place after the win this week, so, cause, uh, so good on you. And uh, appreciate it. Yeah, so the next matchup we'll talk about is Scott versus Justin. This was another matchup that came down to the Monday night game. Scott had Tyree Kill, and Justin had Benny Fowler. And Justin ends up beating Scott with a score of 11,590 to 10,568. Benny Fowler outscored Tyree Kill, which is amazing and not something you would expect. Tyreek Hill absolutely destroyed the Broncos last year in the two games that they played. Not the case tonight. Um, the Chiefs actually, after getting off to a huge lead, or a big, not a huge lead, but they were up 14-0, and then they had the ball in the red zone. And after that, Tyreek Hill actually threw an interception, and uh, they didn't really look that great. 
the rest of the way. Scott has his second quote-unquote bad week of the year. It's a below-average week uh, for Scott's team. And no one really shows up outside of, I mean, Deshaun Watson puts up 3,578. As you mentioned, he did, he had an absolutely historic afternoon. He's putting up so far a historic rookie season. He's got 19 touchdown passes in his first seven games. For perspective, Peyton Manning threw nine touchdown passes in his first seven games as a quarterback. Disappointing week from Brandon Cooks and Chris Hogan. Again, Le'Veon Bell puts up 13-10. That's actually probably a subpar week for Le'Veon Bell. And Scott's team just didn't have it this week. It's unfortunate for him because he had two losses. This is three losses in a row for Scott. He probably deserves to lose this week. But coming off of two undeserving wins, two weeks, the last two weeks that he had, it's unfortunate for him. He drops to four and four, which he doesn't deserve to be four and four. But, you know, he's got the point tiebreaker over everyone else. So he still sits in fifth place. And I'm not worried about Scott's team. It's just, I mean, it was, we were going on five weeks in a row of him scoring over 13,000 points. So, his team just has to not show up every once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a matter of, you know, regression of the mean. If you're putting up the weeks that Scott put up a few weeks ago, these these weeks are these down weeks are gonna happen. You know what I mean? It's just that's the that's that's gotta even itself out. But, you know, no worries with the with the New England wide receivers. I think both those guys, Brandon Cooks and Chris Hogan, are good options moving forward. Chris Hogan now, uh, you know, with a bit of an, an injury issue, but I, I don't see either of them. I mean, the, the Patriots offense is just too good. Tom Brady is too good. Brandon Cooks is too talented, and Chris Hogan gets too many targets for them to not be viable fantasy options. So, uh, and I feel the same way about Tyreek Hill and, and Stefan Diggs. You know, those are just four really solid wide receivers. I don't think that's changed just because they've had a down week. Stefan Diggs, you know, has been struggling with injury and he just came back this week while it was against the Browns. I think, you know, as he gets back into the offense, uh, he'll, he'll start putting up the numbers again. Yeah, certainly not worried about Scott's team too much. He gets Leonard Fournette back next week off the bye. Deshaun Watson's already had his bye, I believe. So that's, I mean, you're, you're starting Deshaun Watson every week, the rest of the year. And so far that's been an absolute dynamite play. So no worries for Scott's team. Just a bad week. It's only just like I mentioned, only a second bad week of the year for Justin. Can I go yeah. through Justin's team here? Mm-hmm. So on Justin's side of the ball, it's really it's his running backs that continue to surprise. I mean, a handful of weeks ago, looking at Justin's team, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said he he was the powerhouse at the running back position, but he's looking pretty solid. Jarek McKinnon and Lamar Miller both putting up 2320 and 2080 respectively. Those are two really solid running back one, running back two options moving forward this season. Jarek McKinnon, you know, Latavius Murray put up that huge week last week, but I think it's back on course for Jarek McKinnon. I think he's the top back moving forward, and I think that's that's a plug and play for Justin. And same thing with Lamar Miller. You know, there was talks about the the rookie in Houston getting some more looks, but Lamar Miller has secured his role, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down either. So huge performances from them for Justin. 
and the disappointments came in his wide receiving in his wide receiving roles, along with his quarterback. Dak Prescott with only 732, Amendola with 408, Curse with 240, and Benny Fowler with only 40, 450 in the Monday night game. And Benny Fowler dropped a touchdown, and I mean, just dropped a touchdown. Just there was just some really standing bad in the end zone, game. ball to his chest, just dropped it. So. That was painful, um, but but yeah, I mean, so I think Justin's team is is definitely running back strong, wide receiver weak. What else do you see on Justin's side of the ball? Yeah, I think I'm. And you you touched on a lot. Um, I certainly like his running backs, including his flex and Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman has been consistently getting ten to fifteen touches per game and and doing well with those. Gronkowski's been good most weeks. Dak Prescott has a disappointing performance, but you're not really worried about Dak Prescott. It just sort of happens. He didn't. They didn't need him to throw. Uh, Elliott kind of ran all over the Redskins in that game, and they had the. They got the lead, and they really never were threatened by Washington. Washington looked really bad in that game. I like Justin's team, and he puts up eleven thousand five hundred ninety, despite the terrible performances from Dak Prescott and his wide receiving core. And and don't forget that you know. Benny Fowler is only in because Sanders is out. And, you know, Jordy Nelson isn't going to be the Jordy Nelson that you get with Aaron Rodgers, but certainly a better option than either Curse or Amendola. So while the wide receiver position is his weak spot, it may not be all that weak. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. But, no, I like Justin's yeah, team. Yeah, one one quick uh one quick note on his bench while you're while we're looking at it um you know talking about Emmanuel Sanders and Jordy Nelson he's also got Philip Dorsett on his bench which tell me if I'm wrong but I think Philip Dorsett is a safe drop I don't think he deserves to be rostered and no. uh I'm also going to ask you you know he's got Wendell Smallwood on his bench what are your just give me your quick 10 second take on the Eagles backfield who are who are you taking out of Smallwood and uh Corey Clement is the new rookie who's been getting carries, and LeGarrette Blunt. Who do you want out of those three moving forward? I want LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, as the year goes on, Philadelphia looks more and more like a team that is going to be in control of most of the games that they play. And when that's the case, I think it's going to be LeGarrette Blunt that's getting you know the majority of the carries as they're trying to, to close out the games. I mean, he's powerful running Smallwood back. Smallwood or Clement? Um... I would say Smallwood still for now, but you know he didn't. He's he hasn't he got injured and then hasn't really done anything since his injury. So yeah, it's a t- it's a tough call right now. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to start either of them, obviously. Uh, but if you're asking me who I would stash on my roster, I think I would stash Smallwood over Clement. All right, I don't disagree. Just uh, something to something to watch moving forward. If maybe Corey Clement starts to rise up in that backfield. Uh, should we move on to the next matchup? Yeah, yeah. I uh, just wanted to say that Justin is in third place, and again, Scott is in fifth place. So, got Kyle in first, you in second, and Justin in third. Uh, yeah, let's move on to the next matchup, which will be... Actually, we're going to go with Brian and Dad, because Brian is now in fourth place after his victory to Dad, who dropped to eighth place. Yeah. Dropped to eighth place, Dad did. And so Brian beats Dad twelve thousand forty six to ten thousand nine hundred and sixty four. 
very disappointing week for dad. And, you know, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, a, a, a pretty sub-average week for Brian. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins puts up 3,240. We just talked about him with Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller. Obviously, I think that Hopkins is, you know, the clear... Obviously, he's he's the better option over Will Fuller. Uh, if one of the two was going to drop off more, it would probably be Will Fuller. But uh, like I said, I really like both of them moving forward. We, we had just talked about Brian's team and, you know, who there is on his roster that could, you know, put up the big the big week to really, you know, put your team over the edge and, and get your team a win. This week, it, it you know, he responded right away, did Hopkins, and, and really led Brian's team to a victory because without Hopkins... Again, it's a below-average performance. He played Cam Newton. Cam Newton, they get the, I mean, they got the win, but Cam Newton didn't do anything special. Only puts up 154 passing yards and one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't need him to. He was just managing that game. Yeah, absolutely. And as a result, Funchess had a bad game. Bad. He played both Des Bryant and Terrence Williams, who had bad games. Now, Crowell finally gets his first touchdown of the year and puts up 1780. And I thought it was kind of cosmic justice that Crowell is a big reason why Brian gets this win over Dad this week after Dad drops Crowell for to stream Miami's defense for one week. Um, that's still a decision I don't get. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's kind of one of the big reasons why Dad lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh... Poetic justice, I think. I think you're absolutely right. It's a little, you know, it's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. Um, it's a good advice that you just won't take. You know, who would have thought? Uh, figures. Anyways, um, you know, just looking at looking at these two teams. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins putting up 32-40, an absolutely massive week. And then, uh, you know, Dad's stud wide receiver AJ Green only putting up 10-20. Disappointing week, but AJ Green's been pretty massive this year so far. Looking at those two guys, you know, who do you want moving forward? Um, 150% I want, I would want Hopkins over AJ Green. Uh, so you're, the season. so you're bought in, you're bought into Deshaun Watson over Andy Dalton. <laughs> I am, I'm so bought in. I've, I've been bought in on, on Watson for a few weeks and you, you touched on it earlier. I think playing the way he did in Seattle against the Legion of Boom after he started off the game by throwing a pick six. Or not, he didn't start off the game by throwing a pick six, but it was very early on in the game. To bounce back from that and to do what he did in Seattle against the defense that causes so much problems for other teams in that stadium, he's been absolutely unbelievable. And Hopkins I, I, is the main beneficiary of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I cu- I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's you you, you worry. You know, with AJ Green, it's the power of the name, and I know Hopkins, it's the power of the name too. But you just have such a bad taste in your mouth from last season. And you just, do, but that's you, know, you that's got to be out the window at this point. It, it's hard it's to just... trust him moving forward, but it's absolutely out the window this 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 season. Um. You know, it's not hard to trust Hopkins moving forward now, though. No, it's not. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, Hopkins is probably going to end up being one of these steals of the draft. We talked about it earlier in the year. 
Brian got him in the fourth I mean, DeAndre round. Hopkins could end up being the... It's almost guaranteed he'll be a top five wide receiver at the end of this season. Guaranteed is a is a big word to use for top five, but um, I definitely think... I, 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 would I, would guess, be, I would guess that he will be a top five wide receiver. I would guess he'll be a top three wide receiver. Okay, I mean... I, I have no problem. Put it with on that. the board. No. Um, looking at Dad's side of the ball a little more, it's you know we should probably just skip over his team when we record this podcast because we're saying the same thing every week. The dude's bleeding at running back. Uh, Christian McCaffrey putting up seven seventy. Theo Riddick putting up five fifty, and he's got you know on his bench Alfred Morris putting up thirty. But here's a turn of, turn of events. Maybe Alex Collins on his bench putting up fifteen thirty. Big week for the Ravens with their forty to zero victory over the Dolphins. Do you buy into Alex Collins moving forward, or do you think Buck Allen's gonna keep the carries? And then, you know, a, a second layer to that question: What do you think about Christian McCaffrey moving forward? I believe that Alex Collins is a good running back. He leads he leads the league in yards per carry. I don't know yet that I trust he will get the volume or the opportunity to produce like he did in this week with the score being as it was. I think he got more carries because of that. I still think Harbaugh trusts Buck Allen more than he trusts Collins. Collins had some early season fumble issues, so it may take a while for him to, for Harbaugh to move past that. If Terrence West, and and then that's the thing is if Terrence, like Terrence West coming back, that could complicate things as well. It's a crowded backfield. I definitely trust Alex Collins' talent. I think Dad should definitely start him, uh, especially since you know, he's currently starting theoretic. I definitely trust Alex Collins more than theoretic moving forward. But I, it's just hard to say right now. It's 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 his first really good week of the year, Alex Collins. So it's such such a small sample size, but he has looked really good on the in the opportunities that he's gotten. So I think it's very. Uh, very good for dad uh, that he has this as a possibility of a running back uh, for the rest of the season because like we talked about he's he hasn't he hasn't been uh, has not been producing in that position as far as Christian McCaffrey goes I think just to just to cut in there I think I don't disagree with you that Alex Collins is the most talented looking running back Um, I just you know and you were hesitant so I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you I just I think the Baltimore Ravens backfield at this point is and especially when Terrence West comes back that's that might just be a case of a backfield you avoid because it's a it's a shared carries and you know not enough production and maybe maybe the Panthers backfield is is the same thing moving forward I mean I don't know it's hard to say that about two guys with talent like Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey but just the lack of consistency what are your thoughts in that backfield moving forward well, I mean, you certainly can't ever start Jonathan Stewart, uh, but I think Christian McCaffrey's ever not 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 how things are currently going. I mean, I'd have to look at Jonathan Stewart's totals, but his he, totals the last four weeks are nine forty, four eighty, negative forty, and five ninety. Yeah, so that's not someone I want to start week uh, week in and week out. He. Like Christian McCaffrey's only value currently is is in the receiving game, and Jonathan Stewart does not get that at all, like at all. So, 
if you're asking me who I like more, it's obviously Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey doesn't have a good week, but he still put up 770 points, which obviously is not great. It's it's definitely below average, but when that's a guy's floor, that's pretty good. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at all of Christian McCaffrey's weeks, but he... Christian McCaffrey's last four weeks, 770, 878, 1880, and 1282. Yeah, I mean, his floor is literally 760 points. I mean, that's a guy that I would start every single week. He's not a good running back if you're talking about, you know, this guy, you know, it's just, just strictly how does he look as a runner within the offense? No, he's not. A, he hasn't been a good running back. He barely is running for any yards, but they use him in the passing game. He gets a lot of targets. So, yeah, I like, I mean, I like Christian McCaffrey moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that take. It's a, it's a ridiculous notion that, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey is in, is in the same uh, same level as Jonathan Stewart. So, um, you know, just trying to stir up some drama. But but yeah, Jonathan Stewart, you know, is that someone you drop? And then Christian McCaffrey, you know, he's a week-by-week week starter. Um, but obviously the last two weeks have been a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, out of all those backs, i definitely take Christian McCaffrey over anyone in the Ravens' backfield, Jonathan Stewart, or really, you know, Rob Kelly, Isaiah Crowell, Theo Riddick. I think Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in this matchup, which tells you a lot about the teams in this matchup. Yeah, not a lot of whole, not a lot of running back talent going on in this matchup. But honestly, what lost Dad the week is his wide receiver performances and Alex Smith's performance. Um, if I, his running backs did enough for what his team usually does to get him the victory, Alex Smith had a disappointing performance. So did Mike Evans, Jarvis Landry. And, you know, I guess a decent performance from Demarius Thomas. But that is really what lost Dad the week, uh, you know, co- accompanied with the fact that Hopkins put up 3,240. So, you know, he it, it was it ended up being a close matchup. But, uh, you know, Dad's team underperforms a little bit. Uh, and, again, he drops to 4-4. Four and four. Brian moves up to 5-3. and three. And, you know, despite the injuries, Brian, uh, like we said, sitting in fourth place, you know, halfway, more than halfway through the year. So it's still looking like a, a pretty good bet that he can, you know, make it into the playoffs. So, All right, everybody, that uh, takes us through the first three matchups of the week. So at this point, we're going to hit you with our halftime weekly edition of Let's Guess, Let's Guess, Let's Guess, Let's Guess. Tommy, are you ready? Ready, Freddy. All right, Tommy, I'm going to hit you with a question that's a little bit out there, but um, I think you'll be able to handle it. And I think it's very pertinent to the life of fantasy football players because, you know, what gives you more pride than starting and getting points from somebody that no one else saw coming? You know what I mean? You just That, that glory play. Um, okay. These guys aren't quite glory plays, but I'm just looking at QBs and I'm looking at guys who aren't very owned but have been low-key killing it and who are going to be the, the the table talk at the end of the season of you know if you saw this guy coming when no one else did you were ahead of the curve uh so i'm going to ask you it's week eight so far this season who do you think are the top quarterbacks that are less than 80 percent owned in fantasy football um one that comes to mind right away would be josh mccown Yes, you are correct, my friend. Josh McCown is only 25% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Football. And he is 
the ninth rated quarterback in points so far this season. Like of anyone? Not, he is the ninth highest scoring quarterback in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, I mean he's had he's strung together a bunch of good weeks in a row. So yeah, that does that really doesn't surprise me. Uh yeah, Josh McCown for sure. But just goes to show you that, you know, Josh McCown is someone that can absolutely be starting for a team in this league, and he's not. So, you know, there's always someone available for streamers for, you know, bye weeks, things like that. Josh McCown's definitely someone to be looking at. Um Who's your next guest for, you know, guys that are less than 50% owned or 85% owned? My apologies. And have also been quote unquote killing it. Uh, no, <laughs> Josh McCown is really the only one. I'm also looking for the 13th ranked quarterback. Let me just uh, scan my brain here real quick to figure out who the 13th ranked quarterback is. Um... I mean, I, I really I really don't know I who else is out there that's not very much owned that has been I mean, Jared Goff has been a decent fantasy play. Brissett has been a decent fantasy play. Neither of those guys are really owned that much. Um Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett is ten percent owned and he is the thirteenth ranked quarterback so far this season. Really? Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I guess he's had a few big weeks, but I, I mean, aren't most of his weeks kind of below average? But yeah, it does surprise me that he's he's the 13th ranked. I guess he hasn't had his bye week yet, which gives him an edge over probably some other guys that are below him. But yeah, that's still, yeah, that's almost, I mean, that's almost QB1 status. Yeah, just, so just you're looking at QB1. two... Two rel- two arguably QB one quarterbacks who are in free agency. So just something to something to think about. Now I'm going to ask you a question in a with a similar thought in mind, but at a different position. Okay. And this is these this is going to be this is going to be hard. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hint, but it's more so I just want to chat about these guys. Who are the top wide receivers that are less than eighty five percent owned? Um. Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster, 49% owned. He's got 8,016 points on the season. Huh? Yeah, and he won't be he won't be after this week. He'll be the the waiver pickup of the week, that's for sure. You would think. And uh, my other guess is going to be Paul Richardson. Paul Richardson, 32% owned. 7,840 points. They're not Both the top guys, two, are they? Yes. What? I mean, the only the only reason I even know these guys, either of these guys are even on my radar is because I just played up, and it just played me with, with Paul Richardson. Um, and he put up his the, a career week of 2,500. So, uh, And he had been decent up to that point, so I figured he would be up there, and he I know he's not highly owned. Those are the top two scoring wide receivers on the season. Those are the only two wide receivers on the season in the top 25 that are less than 85% owned. Really? Those are the only two wide receivers 
this season in the top 25 that are less than 91% owned. That's amazing. I would not have guessed that. I mean, I like, like you did that they that. were the only ones. <laughs> that they were the only ones. <laughs> you you did exactly that. You you guessed that, sir. All right, Jack. Well, thank you for those let's guesses. Uh, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, those were inter- in- very interesting questions, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm very happy with with my guesses. I'm pretty blown away. I mean, like I said. I, I had no idea that those were the top two. I knew that those guys would be close just because of the weeks they just had. Like, they they were both decent up until this week, and then they both had massive weeks. So could, and I knew that because this was both of them, for both of them it was their first massive week, that they're not going to be highly owned, certainly not above 85%. So those were just the two obvious guesses. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, let's let's go ahead and and talk about the the next matchup that we were going to get into, which was going to be me, Tommy versus Anna. And I take Anna down this week with a score of eleven thousand six hundred and ninety-two to her eleven thousand and sixteen points. Now this matchup was actually dangerously close in the end. She she had cut it to within five hundred. And at one point earlier, like towards the beginning of the afternoon games, Yahoo gave her a 5% chance of winning. And then Paul Richardson and the Seahawks defense happened. And she got awfully close. And with a bad performance from Kareem Hunt, uh, TJ Henderson actually outscored Kareem Hunt in this Monday night game. And uh, it was a lot closer than it than it uh, it looked like it was going to be early on. Uh, I had started off by just getting off to a huge lead, and then she slowly clawed her way back. We both have decent weeks. Again, we're both you know with eleven six and and eleven, we are right around the average for the year. And I mean, I don't. Know, I just want to start off talking about. Just how disappointed I am in my running backs, even in even in victory this week. They put up a combined score of fifteen hundred and ten. Um, Devontae Freeman just in these last three weeks, he's not, he's just not getting the touches. I was looking because I was I was very disappointed with his week again. He only puts up six hundred and sixty points in these last three weeks. He's got nine carries, twelve carries, and twelve carries, and the pre and. That's that's those are the three weeks since their bye week. In the three weeks before their bye week, he got 18 carries, 21 carries, and 19 carries, and as a result, got 2,300, 2,100, and 1,500. So his his touches have decreased significantly over the last three weeks, while Tevin Coleman's have remained the same. Currently, it's really a 50-50 split over the last three weeks in touches, and it's not something that I like to see at all, and it frustrates me greatly so uh, I'll just get that out of the way but I feel very fortunate to get the win this week uh, you know like we always talk about with 11,600 it's not necessarily a week that you deserve to win obviously you can <clears throat> it's not a week you deserve to win but obviously it is a week that you can win uh, often I got maybe the the pickup of the week if if not for 
Anna playing Paul Richardson. Uh, I think that's actually probably the pickup of the week. But one of the pickups of the week is Robbie Anderson, who got me 1950, and that went a long way to uh, helping me secure the victory because I never even dreamed that he would he would put up that much. I was hoping for a thousand maybe, and uh, he had a really great game. Anna and I both put up a combined total of 3,300 between our kickers and our defenses. That was very evenly matched there. I get 1,200 from Elliott. She gets 1,300 from Hauschka. I get 2,100 from Buffalo. She gets 2,000 from Seattle. The big difference this week was that uh, was probably Giovanni Bernard, who only puts up 50. Anna played him because Golden Tate's status uh, was very much uncertain. I don't believe that at the time that Anna played Giovanni Bernard, I don't think that uh, Golden Tate, he certainly wasn't for sure playing. I didn't think he was going to go this week. Uh, I think it was a surprise, uh, even for the Lions, that he ended up uh, being able to play yesterday. So, unfortunate for her, in a perfect world, Golden Tate wouldn't have been in question. Anna would have played him, and, you know, she could have gotten the victory. I will say this to maybe make Anna feel better that she didn't make, you know, she, she could have made a different decision. I was, I cannot tell you how close I was to playing Jamison Crowder instead of Jordan Matthews. Like I had hit the ad button. I was going to, I was, I was going to drop a player and plug in Crowder for Matthews and Crowder ends up getting like 1700 or something like that. So Definitely made the wrong decision there. I just ended up not wanting to tinker with things, you know, because uh, it was it was uh, late Saturday night. So I just decided not to do it. But and then the other thing is, is Jordan Reed only puts up 100 for me. He got injured again. It's something with his hamstring this time. This guy just, I don't know. I mean, can't it, stay it, healthy. He can't, can't stay healthy. But it'd be, at the same time, you cannot blame yourself playing him if Jordan Reed is is walking you play him because if he's walking he's probably going to get a touchdown um but yeah tweaks his hammy again hate seeing that that would have been a crazy stream if you would have tossed Crowder in there last minute for Matthews that would have been insane because it was Crowder's first good game of the season I, uh, I mean I, I, I can but, if you talk to Louie he will confirm that I was like I think I'm yeah play no Crowder. I, I I believe you that would have that would have been bold and it would have paid off but uh you know you're able to get the W without it. Uh another what I love about your team this week is your stream of Andy Dalton. You had Marcus Mariota on a bye and you you had a great stream with Andy Dalton coming in for 1872 against the Colts. I think that was a great quarterback play. On Anna's side of the ball, you know, a disappointing 1176 out of Drew Brees. You were hoping he could put up more especially against Chicago's relatively weak passing defense. Um, and then once again, disappointments from Julio Jones, only 890, you know, it's fine, but it's Julio Jones another week without a touchdown. And thankfully Paul Richardson was there to pick up the slack, but you know, Deshaun Jackson only putting up 520. You you really need more from your, from your wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, and just in defense of Julio Jones, it's, I mean, it's the Falcons offense, I think is the issue. Like Julio Jones only puts up 890, but he, outscores Devontae Freeman by, you know, 230 points. And Devontae Freeman was an even higher draft pick than Julio Jones was. So, yeah, Julio Jones, another disappointing week. But Devontae Freeman, another disappointing week. And to be quite honest, the Falcons, another disappointing week. They barely beat the Jets. It, it took 
it hey, took... that's the that that's the New York Jets you're talking about. That's a that's a ninth place quarterback team you're talking to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Like you said, um, you know, for Drew Brees, they didn't have to throw. Um, you know, he still puts up 300 yards, but they didn't need any uh, any more touchdowns than the rushing touchdown that that Ingram got them. And but a, another another good week from Blunt, and you know, he's been very solid. He's had two bad weeks. Outside of that, he's been so solid for her as a flex position. Uh, obviously, she had to put him in her running back two slot with with Gurley on his bye. I mean, I'm I'm tremendously lucky to have played Anna on a week that she did not have Gurley. If Gurley plays, there is a zero percent chance that I win this game with the week that I put up because. Uh, Gurley has a coach that knows how to utilize him properly, and uh, Kareem Hunt over the last five weeks does not. So, yeah, Gurley would have put up probably a very good week as he does most weeks. And uh, yeah, I know it's it's I know Anna was fine losing me losing to me this week. We both go to four and four, so we're tied record wise. She has me edged out by points. Um, just barely by a total of 1,200 points over the course of eight weeks. So we have had very, very similar years. We're both at four and four and she is in sixth place and I am in seventh place. So we're right there with each other. Uh, so I appreciate her, uh, losing to me this week. And, uh, again, she's, I mean, she's got, she puts up 11,000, which is not, bad like we said it's not great but she's every week she's putting up solid weeks and uh yeah just a like i said with it's it's disappointing unfortunate that she you know was forced to play giovanni bernard with the uncertainty of golden tate so that's that sucks for her but at four and four uh, she's still doing okay any anything else you want to touch on with with her team or with my team no, I think uh, I think we covered it. Let's move on to the next matchup. Awesome, perfect. I will say that uh, I'm just going to play Cameron Bright every week uh, for the rest of the year, and I don't know what I'm going to do with Jordan Reed. I mean, he's going to sit on my bench, but I I don't know. I hope he just like goes out for the year. I just shut him down because <laughs> it's killing me. It's absolutely torturing. Yeah, me. maybe I mean, see what you can do. Try to trade the name away. Honestly. I don't know who's going to. Um, I, my best chance would have been after his 2,200-point week last week. But even then, I mean, he hasn't strung together two good weeks. And I think until that happens, I don't know that anyone's going to want to touch him. So, um, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a a slim pickings at the tight end position. So, I'm, you know, you, have to, you won't get a ton back from him, but I think you can get something. Uh, but let's move on to the next matchup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, next matchup is going to be... Louis versus Dan, which is, this was a barn burner. I mean, my goodness. Louis beats Dan with a score of 16,846, which is the highest score of the year, to Dan's 14,374. Dan puts up the third highest score of the week, and the bad luck just continues for Dan. I mean, my goodness, can this guy catch a break, for the love of God. He drops to two and six, maybe the most undeserving two and six I think I've ever seen. Look at, before we touch on Louis' just absurd week, look at Dan's team and tell me that's not an awesome team. 
No, I mean, looking at Dan's lineup top to bottom, it's an awesome team. I mean, we said this last week, and we'll say it again and, and keep our fingers crossed for Dan's team that's, you know, 2-5 and five and heading to be 2-6 and six even after a 14,000-point week. Carson Wentz at the helm with 1,800 points. Carson Wentz looks fantastic. Great quarterback option moving forward this season. Calvin Benjamin, 1140. Adam Thielen, 1830. Adam Thielen with another five receptions, a touchdown, and 98 yards. He's just been, he's been quietly phenomenal this year. Adam Thielen is a is a wide receiver mm-hmm. one this season. Mm-hmm. Terrell mm-hmm. Pryor with a goose egg. That's that's the big hole. And you know, with Larry Fitzgerald on the bye, that's why Pryor is in. Um, right. So you know, with Larry Fitzgerald coming back, that'll fill that hole. LaShawn McCoy and Ezekiel Elliott with 2630 and 2590 respectively. I mean, just massive weeks again for both those stud running backs. We have more drama with Zeke coming out in the news. Who knows how that will end? I'm not even going to try to speculate, but that's something for Dan to worry about. And then Tyler Croft putting up 710. He's been relatively solid since uh, Tyler Eifert was moved to the bench. And Alvin Kamara with 1510, who is a plug-and-play start. The New Orleans Saints offense is good enough to support two fantasy viable running backs in Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and you have no reservations there. So top to bottom, Dan's team is absolutely solid. You're not wrong. And it just came came to the fact that he played a powerhouse in Louis' team this week. Uh, Dan left Chris Thompson on the bench and Latavius Murray on the bench, both decent running backs, you know, so he's got running back, running back depth. Maybe those will help with Zeke going out potentially. But, yeah, no complaints about Dan's team. It's just a matter of going up against Louie this week, starting with Russell Wilson putting up 3,600 points. Just massive. What else went right for Louie? Yeah, before I touch on Louie's team, I just want to mention that LaShawn McCoy and Ezekiel Elliott, respectively, were the top scoring and the second top scoring running back of the week this week. Um and Dan still lost. So that that just goes to show you. Uh, you mentioned Chris Thompson. You He's had one bad week where he got 120 points. Outside of that, I believe this 1384 is one of his lowest scoring weeks of the year. He has been insane with the uh, with the work he has uh, he has done with the limited touches he has gotten. So yeah, uh, but Louis's team, what went right outside of Russell Wilson is the Ravens defense when they put up 38.50 on Thursday night uh, that was the start of what I I mean at that point I had assumed that Dan would lose because you Louie got 38.50 from his defense and that's going to be uh, you know a, t- a tough hill to climb uh, starting with that but I mean Dan did his best and Louie just had I mean a, a completely absurd week starting with I mean he gets so that's 7,000 and 400 points between Russell Wilson and the Ravens defense. And outside of that, he got great performances from several others. Jimmy Graham was the main a main beneficiary of Russell Wilson's great week, putting up 1790. Mohamed Sanu, who Louis picked up, is looking like he's going to be a very good option for Louis moving forward. I think, you know, that Sanu can could be like a wide receiver 3. Uh, moving forward, depending on if the Falcons can get it figured out. Gets a good game from Will Lutz, and Alshon Jeffrey finally gets uh, another touchdown. So a great week from him. Really the only disappointments from Louie, I think the only disappointment from Louie is Keenan Allen. His running backs didn't do great. 
760 from Bilal Powell and, and 710 from J- Jalen Richard. But with the way Louis' team is constructed, uh, I'm actually okay with that. Those performances from his running backs, and I think he would agree with that. Those, I mean, those aren't his big hitters. His big hitters are are elsewhere, and as long as they can do something, uh, I think that's all Louis is really looking for. But yeah, I mean, with scoring 16,800, there's not going to be a whole lot of disappointments. Everything went right for Louis. Keenan Allen, I did just want to touch on him real quick because he has been, I think, maybe Louis' biggest disappointment uh, so far. I I guess that maybe, I guess Marshawn Lynch is probably Louis' biggest disappointment so far. But Keenan Allen is up there because I believe he got drafted in the third round. And he started off much better than he has been. But uh, I did a little bit of research. And Keenan Allen, over the last four weeks... He, so in week five, he was the 33rd ranked wide, 33rd ranked wide receiver for the week. In week six, he was the 42nd ranked wide receiver for the week. In week seven, he was the 48th ranked wide receiver for the week. And this week, he was the 30th ranked. So he hasn't cracked. He's only cracked the top 30 once in the last four weeks. And that's uh, not where Louis drafted him. And that is not where Louis drafted him. Uh, Louis drafted him as a, you know, a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, and in week four he was the seventh ranked wide receiver for the week. And outside of that, um, he's only cracked the top fifteen once, and he's only cracked the top twenty three times. So, no, it's been it's been a a very disappointing year so far for Keenan Allen, and his targets have actually gone down as well. Over the last four weeks, he got a lot more targets the first four weeks than he did the last four weeks. So something to watch moving forward. I think, I mean, if I'm Louie, I continue to play Allen. He is such a talented wide receiver, and Phil Rivers does love him. There's history there. So I'm I'm not worried about Keenan Allen necessarily as far as I, I, his floor is still pretty decent, but it's just not the value like the value isn't there from what from the position that Louis drafted him as, but he's still a, a startable wide receiver. It's not like he's trash. He's just not as good as we thought he would be so far. Absolutely. Uh, just the the final points on looking at their benches. Uh, excited for Evan Ingram and Larry Fitzgerald to come back off the bye for Dan. I think those are both solid options. And then uh, I'll be interested to see Corey Davis coming off a bye week and injury. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he'll be back this week, but I'm still looking at him as someone that could be a solid fantasy option with receiving passes from Marcus Mariota deeper into the season, maybe to help, you know, Louie make a playoff run if he can get there. So I'm going to keep my eye on him. Hopefully Louie has the bench space to keep him around, but let's move on to the next matchup. Absolutely. Uh, And just for for the record, Dan drops to 10th place. Yeah, Louis moves up to four and four. Uh, it's back-to-back wins for him. Uh, he slides up. He is not quite sitting in uh, in the playoffs yet. He's in ninth place, uh, tied with actually me and Dad and Anna and Scott. Uh, but he has uh, just by three hundred points exactly. He has three hundred points less than Dad. So he's sitting right there on the edge of the playoffs. Uh, so he's yeah, and his team is on the up and up. So. Uh, he's definitely be one, been one of the higher scoring teams the last few weeks. So the last matchup we will talk about is going to be Drew versus Greg. 
Drew ends up destroying Greg, uh, 16,246 to 11,778. And going into the Sunday night game, it was actually looking like there was potential for Drew to lose, if you can believe that looking on the final score here. And then what ends up happening is Juju Smith-Schuster goes off for 2,880 points. Travis Kelsey goes off for 2,280 points. And the Chiefs go off for 2,800 points. So he gets, my goodness, uh, almost, I mean, over 7,000 points from those three guys to really just, I mean, the matchup was no longer in any doubt after like the first five minutes of the game when the Chiefs got a defensive touchdown and then Travis Kelsey scored his first, his first touchdown, uh, or I guess his only touchdown, but yeah, Drew had a massive week, over 16,000. Outside of the guys I just mentioned, Kai Forbath has another great week. Um, I think Kai Forbath had over 3,000 last week, and he backs it up this week with another 2,000 points. Uh, Drew's had some stellar kicker performances this year. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., who is a guy that you have been uh, consistently trash-talking this year, puts up a good week, 1580. Um, and... I honestly, Stafford likes to throw to him, and uh, I, I think he's a decent option moving forward. Really, the only disappointments for Drew, as as it has been all year for him, is Jay Ajayi. He's the, the biggest disappointment. Um, maybe so far, uh, one of the most disappointing picks of the draft. And uh, Nelson Aguilar doesn't have a great game, but uh, he's been a little up and down this year. So, But yeah, I mean, Drew's team is just very, very volatile, I think. Volatile, volatile, volatile. It's it's like potato, potato. You can say either of them. Jay Ajay is one of, if not the single biggest disappointment so far this year. Thirteen carries for twenty three yards in that game on Thursday. Twenty three carries for fifty one yards last week. He's getting the carries and he's just he doesn't look good. He's not he's not getting he's not getting a lot of yards per carry, which is arguably the biggest, you know, the most important metric for a running back. What is I mean, I don't know what do you, what advice do you have for Drew moving forward? It's it's what do you what do you do there? I mean, you you drafted him so high, he's a starting running back. It's not like you're going to bench JHI, but I mean, you can't expect he's not your running back one. He's not your He's not going to be breaking out for that huge week. It's not looking like this season. Uh, thankfully for Drew Juju Smith-Schuster with 2880, like you said, and then Marvin Jones, who I have not been trash-talking. I've just been you know, realistic about putting up a solid week. So definitely looking like the running backs are the weak spot for Drew. You know, how, you know, what are your thoughts there? I mean, for a Jai, it's, you just, if you're Drew, you just, I mean, you just keep playing him, I think, uh, unless the matchup's really bad i'd have to look at his schedule moving forward but yeah i mean it's been very disappointing but again i mean he's put up some solid weeks it's just i mean he's not obviously not putting up first round or you know end end of first round beginning a second round you know points uh, as far as that draft pick is concerned so i look at Deion lewis has looked good uh quite a few weeks in a row now so um 
with him, between him and Cohen and Frank Gore, Frank Gore has been solid as heck. He didn't play Frank Gore this week. I believe he meant to, uh, but forgot to switch him out for Cohen. Uh, between the three of them, uh, I think, you know, he's got some pretty good options there. And for Ajay, you just, you just hope he turns it around. Uh, you know, if, if he, if Drew can squeeze into the playoffs, hopefully he turns it around in time to, to be a, a playoff hero for Drew. And then on Greg's side of the ball, Matt Ryan with 1586, another mediocre uh, week for Matt Ryan, you know, one of his actually better ones this season, but definitely he's been someone who's been disappointing so far. Amari Cooper back to the norm with 770 after that ridiculous week the week before. Ted Ginn only getting 904 and uh, Lockett actually having a big game with 1658 in Seattle thanks to Russell Wilson's explosion. So saving his wide receiving core a little bit there. And then Jordan Howard with 1360. He he had 19 receiving yards on three receptions, uh, actually getting some work out of the quarterback, and then also 102 rushing yards. So, you know, not terrible performances from Greg's team. He puts up 11-7-7-8, which is one of Greg's better scores this season. Doug Martin only getting 800, uh, you know, just sort of mediocre across the board. What are your thoughts here on, you know, uh, who, who, who are those players that are going to be Greg's real winners moving forward, those guys that Greg needs explosions from? I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, you need, you need, you need Amari Cooper to, to do what he did the week before, but consistently. So Greg drops to two and six with this loss to Drew. And Greg is by far the lowest scoring team on the season. He is more than so. Brian is the second lowest scoring team, and he's five thousand points away from Brian. But with Brian's five and three record, Greg's not going to catch him for a playoff spot. And so, with who Greg is battling with for a playoff spot, which would be, you know, Louis, Drew, Dan, you know, me. All the four and four teams, basically, other than Scott, because Scott's team is ridiculous. Um, he's he's more than eight thousand points away from any of us, and so he's not. And that's just for the record. That's the tiebreaker between deciding who gets into the playoffs and who doesn't. If you end up with the same record, it comes down to points scored for your team on the year. So basically, what I'm getting at is Greg is going to need to have you know, a better record. If he ties with anyone, he's more than, unless his team can just explode second half of the year, he's not going to have any tiebreaker against anyone. And, you know, his, his week was kind of saved by Matt Prater. I mean, Matt Prater was his highest scoring player before Matt Prater played. I mean, Greg was sitting at 9,500 points and it was looking like another bad week for Greg. And like I said, it saves him his week. It turns out decently. But yeah, Amari Cooper disappoints you know, the week directly after he explodes. Duke Johnson has become not super reliable. I mean, his floor is right around what what he got, which was 630. But he hasn't had a great game uh, in a while. Like you mentioned, Tug Martin. Just to, I mean, week in and week out, Greg's guys are just being average and nobody is getting the explosive week outside of Amari Cooper last week which was what got him the victory now there was nothing Greg could have done to win this week 
you know, so I guess maybe it's fortunate that his guys didn't explode and, and he lost, you know, with like 14,000 points. But I mean, what a disappointment Matt Ryan has been. I think that's, I mean, that's the big thing for me here is Matt Ryan has just been, for being MVP last year, Matt Ryan has been atrocious. He got credit for two fumbles. He lost two fumbles, but he, so, and those were like under the center snaps. It was, it was rainy out, but he, he lost two fumbles and on a two point conversion, he lost a fumble, but that doesn't count as a fumble lost. And then on another play, he lost another fumble, but he was able to recover it. So he fumbled the ball four times under center in that game. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's like we've said a, a few times now, it has to be rooted in the new offensive coordinator and the struggles of the entire offense. I mean, I can't put it on Matt Ryan's shoulders. Something's going wrong there in this system. It's a system issue because everyone's struggling from top to bottom and something has to change. Yeah, yeah, something definitely has to change and, and hopefully they can get it figured out because uh, they they have, I mean, they are not even close to a championship contending team right now. Uh, they've, they've barely been able to beat uh, the bad teams. So, yeah, it's not looking good for the Falcons right now and you know, for Greg's team, I don't really know where the big points come from. Like, Martavis Bryant may just be out of Pittsburgh at this point. If Delaney Walker, if if the Titans can figure out their offense, Delaney Walker could be hopefully a consistent, you know, 1,000 to 1,500-point guy again for Greg. And, you know, outside of, you know, Amari Cooper becoming more consistent and, and Jordan Howard becoming more consistent, he just needs more consistent solid weeks uh and so far he just hasn't been getting those and i don't know i that i see anything that's that's it's really going to turn around um so i guess we'll just it's just a wait and see but um you know i mean the good news is even sitting at two and six you know we've got five weeks left and he's only two weeks out of the playoffs or two you know two sorry two wins or two games out of the playoffs and you know it's it's helpful for him that I mean right now you've got one two three four five teams sitting at four and four um and so really all he's got to do is is you know get a little bit luckier and if you can string together a few wins you know because you don't always have to score a lot of points to get wins so if you can string together a few more weeks like this, that that'll most likely get him, uh, give him a good chance to win, and then you know all of a sudden he's sitting at four and six, and maybe he's only a game out of the playoffs. So, you know, it, the good news for everyone really is that no one is. I mean, everyone has a shot still, which is cool. Yeah, one note on the bench uh, of Drew, I'll I'll say Sterling Shepard moving forward coming out of the bye week. I think Sterling Shepard could be making some huge splashes in the second half of the season, so I'd keep my eye on him. And then similarly, coming off of Greg's bench, coming off the bye week, Eric Decker, your guy. I was down on him going into the season, but you've sort of talked me around. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, what happens to him second half of the season. If Corey Davis coming back is a detriment to him or if he really establishes himself in the offense as a red zone threat specifically, if the Titans can get things going. I'd be interested to see how both those wide receivers are moving forward. Um, But... That about does it for that matchup. Uh, any other thoughts? And uh, I mean, any other thoughts in general? Is that all the matchups? That is all the matchups. Yeah. Um, let me just go ahead and read through the standings here real quick. <clears throat> Kyle's at, in first at six and two. 
you're at second, five and three. Uh, Justin's in third, five and three, and Brian is in fourth at five and three. Uh, you have a significant point advantage over both Justin and Brian, and Justin has a significant point advantage over Brian. Uh, then it's me, uh, or not me, sorry. It's Scott at four and four uh, with the significant point advantage over everyone else. And then it's Anna at four and four in sixth place, me at four and four in seventh place, dad at four and four in eighth place, and Louie at four and four in ninth place, Drew at three and five in tenth place, Dan at two and six in eleventh, and Greg at two and six in twelfth. Yeah, it's, so it's it's really a tight pack and honestly for someone like Brian who sits at five and three with you know, he he Greg is the only person he has the tiebreaker over currently with points scored. So if he you know, if he he's sitting in fourth place but with two losses or even a loss, you know, he can drop a significant number of, of places in the standings uh, in just one week. So it's really all up in the air right now, which I think is cool, uh, eight weeks into the year. Awesome. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Really excited to have you listening. Please do feel free to email in to jr at letstalkpod.com, L-E-T-T-S, talkpod.com, or tj at letstalkpod.com. We'd love to get your specific questions. You know, guys you have on your bench, who you think you should start, sit, who you should drop, who you should be trading for. Uh, We'd love to get into the weeds. So feel free to toss us a question. We'll give our best advice. And any other feedback is welcome. You know, how long you want the shows to be, what segments you want. Uh, Keep the feedback coming. This is a very iterative process for us. So we're excited to keep growing and learning together with our millions of viewers. Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, As always, it is an absolute pleasure. We love uh, chit-chatting and, uh, you know, talking fantasy football with with uh, with each other and and for you guys it's all it's all for the fans so uh, thanks for tuning in Jack why don't you send us off gather round gather round we're here to stay and we're here to play we're here to win so don't you sin come back next week let's talk fantasy football again